And who's excited about everything going on at Radiant, man, woo! Yeah. Man, it is an exciting time to be a part of this church. And really, um, we just thank you, all of you, for being a part of that. Keep praying, keep pressing in, keep giving, keep inviting, as he said. Um, there's a lot of really good things that God has in store for this church. Um, welcome. My name is Ben, and I serve as the assistant and Ankeny Campus pastor. And so I don't get to see you all as much as I'd like, but always feel like I'm welcome back home whenever I get to speak this morning or uh, in the morning. So glad you're here. Hey. Uh, not too long ago, in June, I had the opportunity of speaking at our youth camp in Floyd, Iowa, which is surrounded by cornfields and gravel roads. And um, I actually had the wrong location. They went to the lake, and I kind of got lost a little bit. And so I gave up and made my way back to the campgrounds. And before I got to the campgrounds, uh, I saw a sign that I'd seen before, and I think it said something like Floyd Conservation Area. And I'd always noticed it, but I did something I, I rarely ever do. I said, you know what? I'm just going to turn here and go exploring, right? And I never do that. That's not me at all, right? And there's no real cell reception out there once you get out into the sticks. And so um, there, I was just like, whatever, let's, let's see what happens. So I turned down this road, beautiful road, eventually pull into this campground, and the, the trees are lining the road. And it was just a beautiful area. You can take a look. That's a picture with the river there. And I just discovered it. I'm like, this is amazing. This is fantastic. And the sun was beginning to set. It was starting to get late. And um, again, no cell reception. And I decided to go hike down this trail. And I went down this trail. There was trees covering it. And it was pretty, pretty dark, actually, at this point. But I was all by myself. And I heard noises in the woods. And I'm, I'm an indoor cat. Like, you ask me to go camping, my answer is always no. <laughs> like, I'm not, not doing it, right? And I hear noises. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm just going to keep walking. And then all of a sudden, like, some deer cross my path and go off in the woods. And... And it was in that moment I got a little freaked out because I'm like, if, if a bear came out and mauled me, no one would find my body for days. You know what I mean? It was this moment where I realized I'm completely alone and no one knows where I am, right? Now, normally, like my, my wife and some family members, they can track me at any time for convenience on my phone. But I realized in that moment, no one knew where I was and no one could have guessed where I was. And it, it kind of freaked me out for a moment. And, and I, I just had that realization, like, I can't remember the last time this has happened, where no one would be able to find me if they even went looking for me sort of thing. And it ended up being a really neat uh, time, after I got off, off that trail, it ended up being a really neat time with the Lord that I had in prayer. But I want to ask you, when was the last time nobody knew where you were? No, no one could have guessed where you were. You were isolated, all alone. Have you ever, have you ever had that recently? Today, it feels sort of like it's irresponsible to do that, you know what I mean, in our, in our age of connectedness, especially through the internet, and especially in the age of just busyness and noise and hustle and distraction, duties, obligations, etc. Getting alone all by yourself feels more and more impossible. And I want you to hold that thought because last week, uh, Pastor Jason introduced the idea and he asked the question, how is it that we change? Like, how do we actually grow in Christ and mature in Christ-likeness? And there's many answers to that question, but for the remainder of this sermon series called The Way of Christ, we're going to be exploring what are called the spiritual disciplines. These are things that Jesus did that the ancient church fathers and our tradition have been recognizing as habits and rhythms that are 
con- conducive to spiritual growth and formation. Here's a few of them listed here. Sabbath, prayer, fasting, solitude. You've heard of these before. And the reason we're diving into these practices or disciplines is because one of our core values at Radiant Church is to live as Jesus lived. We want to do the things that he did as disciples. That that is what we're called to do. So today we're going to be diving into Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 6. It's towards the end. It's the beginning of the New Testament. Um, You can pull out your phone and Google it. It'll be on the screen as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount, which is widely acclaimed as being the best sermon Ever, and I'm inclined to agree. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and there's also crowds nearby. Um, and here we see that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, introduces three spiritual disciplines. Kind of boom, boom, boom. There's three disciplines here. There's the discipline of giving and generosity, a core pr- Christian principle. There's the spiritual discipline of prayer. And then there's also the spiritual discipline of fasting, Core, core principles, core disciplines in the Christian faith. So let's dive in, uh, Matthew 6, verse 5, if we could today. And we're going to be focusing in on the idea of prayer this morning. I'm going to read the whole passage and then we'll dive in. Jesus' words. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so here we see that Jesus is implying that his disciples would be praying. He's addressing his disciples here in in Luke. The disciples ask And they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so the implication here is that they're praying. Jesus says, when you pray. The reality is we all need to be taught and then retaught by Jesus how to pray every day. Jesus had a rhythm of being with the Father in prayer. And if you have your worship guides, I encourage you to to fill in those blanks and follow along here. But Jesus had a regular habit of escaping with the Father in prayer. Let me give you just a few examples here on the screen. Next slide. Luke 3.21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and as he was praying, heaven was opened. Luke 5. But Jesus often, go back, Luke, uh, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Next slide. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Mark 6, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. John 6, Jesus, knowing they had intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. On and on and on, there's more passages. But you see 
the rhythm that Jesus had of prayer. It was baked into his daily habits. And as Maddie mentioned, for many of us, you know, prayer can feel boring. Prayer can feel stale at times. Um, Sometimes it may feel like when you're trying to pray, it's just like a waste of time. You're like, what is even being accomplished here? Is this even working at all? Maybe for some of you, it just raises doubts in your minds. Like, is God actually hearing me? Is he actually answering me in prayer? And and if that's you here today, welcome. We're all learning how to pray. For some of you, it may even bring up hurt of unanswered prayer. God, I asked you for this, and yet it hasn't happened yet. And so today, let's dive in and learn from Jesus how to pray. Matthew 6, verse 5. We're going to dive into this again. I'll read it again. Verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. It's an interesting phrase, they've received their reward in full. It can be translated as, they've received what was owed them. Meaning they're doing this prayer thing in order to receive something back, attention or accolades from others. And they have already received what was owed them in that regard. And so today, we're going to be diving in really quick to three warnings Jesus gives us in this passage when it comes to prayer. Warning number one is this. Warning number one from Jesus when it comes to prayer is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Jesus is saying that motivations in prayer matter deeply. Hypocrisy or hypocrites uh, or hypocrisy comes from this word from the Greek called hypocrites, and it literally means it's the original word for an actor, like a stage player or a pretender. It could even be referred to as a mask wearer. Man, this is something Christians struggle with often is putting on a mask, pretending, fronting. They just, they pretend like they're someone they're not. I think our church does a pretty good job of keeping it real. You know, some people let their mistakes and their, their issues show and all that. But by and large, this is, this is a real problem. James 4.8 says this, come near to God and he will come near to you. We love that part of the verse. Makes us feel good. Second part of the verse, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The idea of being double-minded, right? Hypocrisy. Two-faced, if you will. There's a famous uh, hip-hop artist. He's one of my favorites. His name is Lecrae uh, from a song, Church Clothes, which I love. Every time I hear it, it convicts me. Uh, Lecrae uh, believes in the church. He's an evangelical, but... um, He's writing this song from the perspective of an outsider of the church. And so these lyrics are penned from someone on the outside looking in when it comes to church. Um, I'm not going to wrap it for you, but I'm going to read it for you. Although I could, I do have bars, so (laughs) let's make that known. I'm just kidding. Um, This is what he writes. I walked into church with a snapback, and they tell me that's a no-no. That's backwards, and I lack words for these actors called pastors. All these folks is hypocrites, and that's why I ain't at church. You see, whether we like it or not, church, whether it's true or not, whether we deserve it or not, perception matters. The perception of those who are outside the church matters deeply. Jesus had a real problem with hypocrites in his day. We should have problems with hypocrites in our day, which starts with ourselves, by the way. 
you'll notice the line, he said, these actors called pastors, right? There's times in my life where I realize, oh my goodness, I'm being hypocritical. I say one thing and I'm doing another. Or my, maybe my intentions are, intentions are good. Maybe I'm not doing it consciously, whatever. But man, I, there's times where I'm hypocritical. I got to own that and bring it to the Lord. We all have to because perception matters. Let's take it from Lecrae now to a 17th century Anglican commentator, John Trapp. He puts it this way. Oh, let us rather seek to be good than seem to be so. Jesus then continues in this passage and he switches from addressing all the disciples saying you all when you pray and he switches to the singular uh, usage of the word you and so he's talking specifically. He's now saying when you, specifically when you pray, verse six, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus says, go into your room. This can be translated as storehouse or inner room. Oftentimes in the first century, rooms were constructed where they had perhaps storage closets, storerooms in uh, the middle. There was no windows. People couldn't see in. Maybe you'd put your supplies there, or sometimes you would even keep your treasures there. And Jesus is saying, that room that's in the inner room where no one can see you, go find that place and pray to your Father who is unseen. Jesus' warning number two when it comes to prayer is this, publicity. Be aware, be wary of praying for publicity. In other words, seeking reward from man versus seeking intimacy with the Father. Jesus gives us a beautiful principle called secrecy. Another principle is called obscurity. Christian secrecy and obscurity, because the reality is this, whether it's any relationship you have with a lover or with the father, secrecy allows for intimacy. Does it not? Secrecy allows for intimacy. Let me put it this way. I believe that secret prayer, when we go and nobody sees us and no one knows what we're doing, secret prayer allows us to get away and have secret moments with God. We need to do these because do this because secret prayer provides proof that one actually believes in the unseen God, right? If you're praying in public, you could actually believe in God, you could not, but when you go and pray by yourself in secret, it's pretty likely that you actually believe that God is real and he exists and he's actually listening. It provides proof for that. And in our current culture in 2023, especially in the West, like our culture is obsessed with being known and shouting your truth and letting your voice be heard and letting people see you and building a platform, right? Um, it's all about likes and engagement and building a brand and getting rat, uh, ad revenue from that on and on and on. We're obsessed with being seen in today's day and age. And yet the Christian principle of obscurity says, do a bunch of good things that no one knows about. <laughs> do a bunch of good things that no one has a clue you even did. Go to that secret place. Let me put it this way. I think secret prayer may be one of the only ways that we can be sure we're actually praying and not performing. Catch this. 
Because anytime you're around a crowd and you're, and you're praying out loud, and that's not wrong. Jesus isn't condemning public prayer. Daniel prayed in view of others. The church often would pray together. That's not the point. But when you're praying out loud in front of others, there's always a risk we run that you are actually performing more than you're praying. It's only when you get into the secret place, that quiet inner room, that you can be absolutely sure you're not performing. You're actually praying. Now, we can sometimes try and perform for God, but he knows the intentions of our hearts and usually reveals them to us. Jesus says, pray to your father, quote, who is unseen. Check this. When we pray in our closet, we become like our father, unseen, right? In, it just in that small way, we are like our Father in that we are not seen in that moment, just like the invisible God. By the way, if you ever are a doubter out there and you're ever like, give me proof and evidence and all this so I can know God is real, welcome, join the club, I'm with you on that. Um, but in this passage, like, God knows he's invisible, right? Like, God knows he's unseen, so don't let that trip you up too much. Like, he, he acknowledges it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, which I, I kind of appreciate myself. It's not like a checkmate atheist sort of thing. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, he knows. He knows he's unseen. Secrecy allows us to get away and have moments with God. Um, picture, picture, like, young lovers, right, when you're first falling in love with someone. And you're smitten with one another and you try to, you know, young lovers, they try to escape and go on drives together so they can just talk. Or they go off into the woods and have a picnic and they just stare at each other's faces, right? Because that's, that secrecy allows for, for intimacy. How many of you guys remember maybe you were falling in love and you try and get away just, just to have moments with that, with that special person? And it's the same way when it comes to God. Psalm 91, the psalmist writes, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High can also be translated as whoever dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So what is the opposite of acting in front of others? Being completely vulnerable and honest in secret with an Almighty God secret prayer. Verse 7, we continue on. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So warning number three when it comes to prayer is babbling. Babbling, which is kind of interesting, right? We think that's sort of strange. That's an odd warning, um, especially because the fact that we don't typically think of pagans as praying people. But Jesus says, don't be like the pagans who babble, which is interesting. And we do have an example, actually, of pagans praying. Uh, it's back in 1 Kings 18. The prophet Elijah is confronting the prophets of Baal. And this is what happened in that story. The prophets of Baal, then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. It says they cut themselves. They were doing all sorts of demonstrative things, loud shouting, all sorts of recitation over and over, all night long. They're praying to this God. And Jesus is saying, that's, that's not, you don't have to do that. God, God already knows. So just, just come to him and keep it, keep it short and sweet. Keep it real. Keep it to the point. Cut to the heart. Cut to the truth. You don't need this demonstrative thing to get God's attention. His eyes are already on you. You're his child. 
That's what Jesus is saying here. This is a warning against vain recitation, just saying things without really having any heart or meaning. Honestly, honestly, reciting the Lord's Prayer like we did earlier, that can be a form of babbling if your heart's not in it. In other words, you're just reciting stuff and you're not actually connecting with the Father or meaning any of that. That's, that's a warning. Like, and I, I get it. Like Maybe you're just getting in the habit of that so there's no judgment. My point is saying like, be, be cautious of that of just repeating prayers or, or things like that. I'm a huge fan of uh, reciting prayers, pre-written prayers, but just be cautious, Jesus is saying. In other words, be cautious of empty, emotionless, and shallow words with God. Adam Clark, he is an 18th and 19th century uh, Wesleyan Methodist, uh, which uh, is our line of tradition, or mine at least. He writes this, I love this, prayer requires more of the heart than of the tongue. The eloquence of prayer consists in the fervency of desire, in the simplicity of faith. How good is that? In other words, keep it personal with God. Because why? Jesus says this. This is the why. Your father knows. Your father already knows. Can we just admire that line from Jesus for a moment? How good is that? Your father knows. He knows. And he wants you to come to him and be honest and be raw and be vulnerable with with whatever you've got going on. If you're mad at him and need to enter into a shouting match with him, if you are hurting, if you are heartbroken, your father knows. Picture a parent. Some of you maybe experienced this, or at least you can imagine. Picture a parent of a teenager, and that poor teenager has just suffered their first heartbreak. And they're wallowing around, and they're moping, and they're not eating, and they're withdrawn. And the, the parent knows what's going on, right? As a parent, you know they're, they're hurting in that moment. And a parent, you know, so desperately longs to rush into that teenager's room, and yet knows they need their space, and they, there's that dance and that struggle, right? And Think about that parent who knows what that, that kid is going through and how much does that parent long for that child to finally come to them and say, I need help, I'm hurting, I'm heartbroken. What do I do? How much does that parent long to lavish their love and their affections and their comfort and then their wisdom and their perspective on that child? The parent knows what the kid is going through. And in the same way, church, our Father knows what it is that you're struggling with here today. The things that keep you up at night, the things that well up anxiety in your mind, the the depression, the hurt, the pain, the regret, the mistakes, the relational turmoil, your Father knows. If you hear nothing else today, would you just hear that? Father who is in heaven in that secret place knows. And then Jesus goes on to start the famous prayer, our Father who art in heaven. The first time anyone had ever referred to in written history that God was referred to as a Father is Jesus Christ right here, our Father. What are those untapped moments that you may be missing out on in the secret place? 
What are those moments that are waiting for you in that inner room that you may be missing out on because we just neglect or we're too busy? What mysteries does God want to reveal? What revelation, what comfort is he waiting to give and lavish on his children? Hebrews 10, 22 puts it this way. Let us draw near to God. Beautiful words. Draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of what faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And so today, Radiant Church, my application, my go and do this for each of every one of you, myself included, is very, very simple. The application is this. Go into your closet and shut the door. That's it. Go into your closet and shut the door. If you end up praying as we have talked about today, great. If not, that's fine too. But what if we just took Jesus' instructions to his disciples and just took it at its most literal form and did exactly what he told us to do? What if as, as a church this week, in order to practice the spiritual discipline of prayer, we just kept it simple? We found a closet, an inner room, a storeroom, and we shut the door, and we sat with the Father. Today, I have all sorts of uh, prayer practices and tips. I think I've listed some of them on the worship guide. We certainly don't have time to get into all of them, but maybe you want to practice recitation-type prayer. Maybe you want to read Psalms 23 or the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, as we just read. Maybe you have a liturgy that you like, a pre-written prayer by uh, a church father. Uh, there's even apps that have pre-written prayers that can help you serve as a template for uh, communing with the Father. Again, not to not just repeat the prayer out loud for your own sake, you know, or empty and void of emotion, but to, to kickstart your, your prayer. Maybe you want to find an aid to transition your time into prayer, like lighting a candle. Um, engaging your body is a great way to start off in prayer. We had an entire service dedicated to engaging your body physically in worship. The most common prayer posture in the Bible was to stand with your arms raised like this. Maybe you want to try that, speaking out loud your prayers. Maybe you have something you need to just lament and get off your chest with God, or you want to listen to the Father through listening prayer on and on and on. I want to be clear, though, these are not things that are to be added onto your already busy life. More on this next week. But rather, these are things that we prioritize and then rearrange our life around. The end goal is not to feel better because we pray more. The end goal is connecting with God in our souls. If you'd like some extra resources, three books I want to recommend real quick to you if you want to write them down. Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton is a treasure. Uh, a classic is Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And then our small group is currently going through uh, Practicing the Ways Prayer Practice. This is a companion guide. They have hard copy or it's available free online. Um, encourage you to dive deeper on this journey. Each week you're going to hear a new spiritual discipline. Dive in, go all in. My point is this as we conclude today and as we close, let me say this. My heart and my prayer for you is that you would steal away moments with the Father. That you would find your inner room, 
that you would draw close to the Father's heart and that you would finally enjoy the reward of his presence. Ephesians 3.14 For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Let's pray.